Welcome to another in the Fleming Foundation's podcast series from Under the Rubble. Today the subject is one we've been grappling with uh, repeatedly in this series and will continue to grapple with until we finally get it right. Democracy. What it means and why does it inevitably fail. I'm Thomas Fleming and joining me today as on so many days is Rex Scott. Hello. Rex, the current uh, Trump administration is having a lot of trouble, in fact, from Inauguration Day, carrying out its agenda. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, obviously he's going to get opposition, normal opposition from, I mean, them being the Republicans, they're going to uh, always be combating the uh, Democrats. Uh, There's going to be disagreements over the budget, uh, and then, of course, uh, threats of shutdown, which I always thought was really ridiculous. Um, of course, you know, they're still um, having that uh, thing over the Dreamers and uh, uh, that whole, that DACA. And uh, he's got 90 days to prove it because a federal court, you know, shut it down again. Immigration, of course. Um, gun control is in there somewhere, especially in light of the things that are happening uh, almost weekly with somebody uh, coming up with an AR uh, rifle and doing terrible things. Uh, I, you know, Getting things done shouldn't be as difficult when you have the House and Senate and you have, uh, you know, you're the president. Didn't we have an election? I mean, is this democracy? Shouldn't an election prove what the people want? Uh, And here we are having so much trouble just getting things done. Well, for good and ill, uh, you've raised uh, an important point. Uh, We do have a constitution which is based on the rule of law and uh, on long British traditions. For example, uh, there are some things that if the people want to do them, we really can't let them do it. A proposal to persecute Jews or, for example, abolish the states of the Union Uh would have to be opposed. And so there, there are many things which, in fact, because of the nature of uh-huh. democracy, yeah. we have to have institutional checks to prevent the people from having their way. Yeah, but that's not really the point here. There's nothing particularly revolutionary about enforcing, you know, immigration law, for example, any more than enforcing tax collection collection uh, or laws against, like, treason. Uh, in democracies, we live by a majority rule. We decided that this guy is the president and we want the things done that he said he was going to do. You know, this whole democracy also prevents the idea that there's an accumulation of power and then, you know, a dictatorship, heaven forbid. But I don't think we're anywhere near that. Well, actually, in my view, we've been living under a kind of dictatorship Mm. since 1861, but that's another question. To answer the, uh, the questions that you're raising here, we have to go to the heart of the matter. What is democracy okay. that it should have this power? You know, there's the famous Winston Churchill line, democracy may be the worst form of government, but it's better than, it, you know, it's better than anything else okay. that's been tried. I, I think that's absolutely wrong. I, mm. I would say he's, it, may, it may simply be the worst form of government, but we'll, we'll get to that later. All right. Let's start with the word. As you know, as I, as I I bragged last time. I'm trained as a philologist. Philologist. Someone who loves logos, which is the analysis of language and and argument. Demokratia is the Greek word. The rule of the people or power to the people. Mm. But of course, and demos, people, and kratos, 
the power over others. So pow the, the power, investing the power in the people is a democracy, but the big question in all democracies everywhere, or yeah. anybody who claims to be a democrat is, what exactly is the people, the hmm. demos? Who are they? Is it everyone? Is it all 320 million or however or, there is, uh, how many people there are in these United States? We used to say that, these United States, these plural. United States. Or is it just part of the people? Well, um, let's look at a smart guy, or supposedly a smart guy. How about Lincoln's definition? A government of the people, by the people, for the people. That sure does sound good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like so much of Lincoln, it sounds good. The question is, what does it mean? Hey, oh. Lincoln was not exactly a keen political mind or legal theorist. Hmm. The terms he uses are redundant. That is, uh. that is there's... Um, it's not clear what what the difference is, for example, between of the people and by the people. Oh, yeah. okay. uh, what is government of the people? I, I have read one political theorist who is pretty good, but he thought Lincoln meant of the people is over the people. But that would be pretty Machiavellian for, and, and overt for Lincoln. Right. So I think maybe he means government that derives its authority from the people, uh, and then is exercised by the people, okay. uh, for the people, but sure. it really, it's, it's very sloppy. So, uh, and then of course he concludes with that, that, that this shall not perish from the earth, as if this country were some divine project, when we're the children of Israel carving out a, a new kingdom of God in the Western Hemisphere. Hmm. If we get down to brass tacks, yes. which I think is where we always have to get down to, yeah. what really Lincoln meant by the people is the very small majority of voters who elected him. Hmm. Obviously, the people did not refer to the majority of the population living between, say, Springfield, Illinois, and St. Louis, Missouri, and Cincinnati, okay. all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, because those people voted strongly against him. Hmm. Southern Illinois voted strongly against him, as did Missouri, as did, uh, as did Southern Indiana. Huh. So he really meant a government of the people who agreed with his own political ideas and projects, and that's a pretty, in my view, a pretty trivial uh, understanding of whatever democracy it is. In other words, democracy is those people who agree with me. Once, we, once we hold power, get to do what we want. Well, maybe you're being a little too hard on old honest, Dave. For the sake of argument, let's suppose he was serious that the people should have their way on major political controversies. Okay, either um, something we're not going to get into today because mm -hmm. I, I think we should have a lot of uh, discussions of uh, of democracy. But one of the one of the, the good part of democracy, which I'm not going to talk about today, I'm only going to talk about the essence of it and okay. why it goes bad. But one of the good aspects of democracy is that the people have an understanding they need to protect themselves from government encroachment. Okay. And that, that this is my house, my family, mm. my car, and it's not up to wise guys in Springfield or Washington to tell me how to use them. And that aspect, that is government the people protecting themselves from the ruling class, right. that's a good uh, good thing. But in all democracies, the question is, who is the one who gets to decide what is government for the people? What is hmm. for the people? And of course, Humpty Dumpty had the answer. We talked about that in a previous broadcast. Right. The people who define the terms, the people uh. who define democracy. And in this case, it's 
the the revolutionary party that wins the election. Okay. And we and even having said that, we haven't addressed the question of what is the people. Right. Now, for the ancient Greeks, whom I uh, uh, go back to somewhat to the disgust and tedium of our listeners, for the Greeks, uh, what democracy is, what the people is, it's a multifaceted word. Okay. A demos can be a village or neighborhood. All so, right. for, and today, you know, for example, in modern Italy, they use the word paese, which which can mean village or the nation state of Italy. Okay. <laughs> because for the, for the Italian, there's, this, there's, the, there's the abstraction of Italy, which is, which is your home country, mm -hmm. but then there's the town you live in, which is your real home country. See. Attica, Attica meaning the territory that controlled directly by Athens, you know, it's like the county of Athens, you okay. might say. Attica was, and the city of Athens itself, were divided into neighborhoods called demoi, deems, peoples. So that's one meaning. Okay. Um, there's also the demos can be the entire free adult male citizen population. Well, that sounds pretty exclusive. Yeah, let me repeat that. Free, that is not slave. Okay. Adult, over, you know, a, a full grown. Full grown. Male, because women can't vote. Oh. Citizens, because uh, non-citizens uh, can't vote. So no slaves, hmm. no children and adolescents, no women, no men who act like women, no male, no female-like men, no no trans, no gender uh, jumping. Really. And foreigners, and and you say, well, you could well, how about a naturalized citizen? Well, at Athens, in democratic Athens, at okay. the height of her democracy, in the mid fifth century. A citizen had to be born to an Athenian mother and an Athenian father. In earlier generations, uh, just a father was enough. So, uh, and, and that parents could not have been deprived of, of their citizenship because of some misdeed. Right. So, you have to be born, it's, the, it's what we now call, use, in Latin, use sanguinis, the, the law of blood. Okay. America has the use solely, the law of the soil, the land. Okay. So if you're born in America, you're American citizen. Right. Whereas, say, if you were born in France a hundred years ago, uh, it didn't matter. What mattered is being born a citizen parents. So we got so we got the neighborhood, yeah. we've got the entire male citizen population. Okay. We have finally um, the common people as opposed to those who have inherited social status or wealth. Okay. So democracy could mean, as it does in our own tradition, either popular government, that is ruled by all the people equally with equal civil rights. Right. In other words, I, my name may be Kennedy and I may be worth a billion dollars, but uh, I don't have any more power in theory than or, or rights than Rex Scott. Mm. Or a system in which the lower classes have predominant or excessive power. In other words, Rex Scott has rights against the Kennedys, Morgans, mm. Rockefellers, etc. Well, you know, we talked about equality last week and, and agreed that it's, it's unrealistic sometimes because, well, because some people uh, have wealth, some people have power, and other people do not have the luxury of that. At this point, what I think is, is people are offended by the fact that somebody would be more equal than other people. We're all, all equal by virtue of we live on the planet Earth, we are human. Um, so democracy, as it claims the people, we all have equal rights, right? Yeah, well, you see where that ends, of course, where, uh, where say, the, a Chinese alien 
visiting America has equal civil rights with America. That, mm. that is what many leaders and lawyers of the Democratic Party argue, and it means that the things that you accumulate over mm -hmm. the generations, the rights and privileges and habits and customs, are not privileged by your system. But that's another story. Mm. Equal rights is another very slippery word like the people. Okay. Uh, going back to the people who created democracy, the Athenians who did not give civil rights to women, slaves, or foreigners, uh, none of them could vote, hold office, or even sue in court. They obviously hmm. were not uh, entirely, that is the Athenian people, not invested in the idea of complete equality. I see. To make matters worse, in uh, Periclean Athens, which is the height of Athenian democracy, there were certain political positions within the Athenian state that were restricted to those who held a certain amount of property. And they were, um, and these were not subject to normal process of selecting uh, officers. For okay. example, the Athenians, we're not going to get into this either, but in Athens, they, they thought that elections were very undemocratic hmm. because they could be bought. So okay. they had a, a process of, of uh, selection which involved drawing lots. Well, this idea, how can you but, justify... But, but, yeah, mi yeah. but military commanders, people okay. who held money, none of them could be, could be uh, chosen by lot through normal democratic process. Well, this sounds very unequal. It's, uh, uh, how can, uh, who made the rules to justify that? And I suppose women weren't really very happy about that because there had to be some women that, you know, wanted to rise to power and also slaves that got out of slavery and then, you know, wanted to move up the ladder. This doesn't sound equal at all. It sounds like a, uh, a very small, it sounds like an oligarchy. Yes, well, all, uh, as we know, oligarchy is the universal form of government. There is no evidence of women uh, uh, wanting uh, political authority until maybe the, the middle of the 19th century. So this is obviously a, a strange modern perversity. It's yes. like uh, it's like wanting to give the vote to children. Mm. Now the justification: there are the pragmatic grounds that people who don't have leisure time could not acquire the necessary education and skills in order to become a successful uh, general or administrator. And people who don't have wealth and resources and reputation are far more likely to steal when they're put in a position of handling is, is money. This, this sounds to me like a Greek thing, and it does sound like Greek to me. Is this an ancient <laughs> Greek thing? And like, you know, um, when people got modernized, then we realized, oh, hello, you know, women can be a part, a great part of the democratic process and the low the lower classes can be a great part of the process or uh, you've been watching too much TV again oh, well. that's obvious <laughs> tell, tell me who are these great women pol political figures in modern history oh, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that's not true. I remember here's a this is a side thing I remember a couple of years ago I was in a in a hotel in Europe Mm -hmm. And I turned on maybe CNN or the BBC, and they had a bunch of uh, women in the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, senators, okay. and they had written a book together. Hmm. And it had like Dianne Feinstein, uh, Kay Bailey Hutchison, uh, Barbara Boxer. And I remember seeing the conservative Republican, yeah. uh, uh, Kay Bailey Hutchison, uh, saying, I will never again 
vote for any, vote against any proposal put forward by one of my women colleagues, no hmm. matter how much my party's against it. Wait a minute. Well, so if you're a Texas man and you vote Republican thinking you're getting the conservative candidate and she says, I will always support the lunatic lefty Barbara Boxer because we're sisters t together. Brother. Now, a man who said something like that would be regarded as insane. Yes. But women get away. Anyway, that's another story. Okay. Uh, many cultures, including the early American states, had property qualification for office. Okay, so you, you know, had you, to have a certain amount of money. Because, yeah, you had to show that you were a responsible citizen. You knew how to handle it. Well, and you, couldn't, sense, you couldn't vote in some states unless you, had, uh, unless you owned property. Wow. A very fine uh, restriction, which I think should be reintroduced. Hmm. There were religious tests. In some states, you had to say you believed in God. In other states, you had to say you believed in God and Jesus Christ. You had to, and so you had to uh, be some sort of Christian. Even here in America, there has always been a kind of aristocracy, you know, from the days of George Washington and John Adams, okay. and Thomas Jefferson the, the, in Virginia, the Pinckneys and Rutledges in South Carolina, the, right. the Alexander Hamilton, etc. These people, uh, those are the people who gave us Supreme Court justices, presidents, senators. In other words, there was a sense that it was enough for ordinary people to have the right to vote as long as they held property and weren't, you know, weren't traitors. Okay. But it was a bit much to think that they should actually enter into the political arena. Hmm. So you didn't get the the guys who were making shoes or the blacksmiths or just your uh, your uh, would that can be considered middle class or lower class or I mean who where do you draw that line? Yeah, it was generally uh, I would say the American political elite in the 18th and 19th most of the until Lincoln. Uh, belonged to the uh, American upper class and middle class. Although in one sense, we have, since the revolution, we haven't had much of an upper class. Mm. That is inherited wealth, nobility, social status. But we have had an, you know, a, a, a well-to-do, educated class of people who have held money for three or four generations and shown, you know, the Adamses were still producing uh, uh, important people in America down to the end of the 19th century. Hmm. So from John Adams, one of the leaders of the American Revolution, sure. down to Henry and Brooks Adams at the end of the 19th century. Well, it sounds like from the beginning we've been ruled by a very small amount of people, but yet it's reasonable because these people are educated and they know about ruling people, of managing the yeah. situations. I mean, obviously a guy who doesn't know anything, if all he knows is blacksmithing, how would he be able to incorporate himself into that? But times have changed a lot. You might say people are not as bright as they used to be, but seems to me a simple man in this situation with a little bit of common sense could do a lot of good. That's what we hope. That's the perennial American dream. Until recently, presidents, though, were typically recruited from upper-middle-class lawyers and okay. became vice president or governor or senator or successful general. Interestingly, the first really democratic president, who, a man who'd never held political office, is Donald Trump. Of course, he's fabulously wealthy, right. but uh, he's the first person without one of the prime qualifications, which is a seat in Congress, okay. having been vice president, or having been a general who won uh, a war, or, uh, or secretary of state. Well, these, were, these were basically the only route. Now, before Trump, probably the most uh, exotic candidate was Lincoln, because hmm. he'd been a short-term congressman, 
and and achieved nothing. It was very undistinguished politically and not known in the country. I see. So Lincoln and uh, Trump are the are the exceptions. If we accept the premise that men who have distinguished themselves have better claim on high office than we can, which we do in America, it's yeah. certainly the Democratic Party. I mean, we were told when Hillary Clinton announced her candidacy, her husband told us that she was the most qualified person who had ever run for this office. Hmm. And over and over, the fact that she slept in the same bed with the president and had the, had the fancy, the, the, the hotline to Russia right there accessible, this hmm. was, but however preposterous the, the basis for the claim is, her claim, the claim of Joe Biden, the claim of Barack Obama, the claim of the entire Democratic Party is they are technocrats who know how to manage the government and that you, you don't want boobs, you know, like George W. Bush or Donald Trump, right. you don't want to put them in that office. So it's interesting that originally what you might call the more conservative parties were always emphasizing family credentials, mm -hmm. career, background, sure. intelligence, whereas today it tends, the, uh, the Republicans are more open to, uh, to having the maverick gunslinger come in and the, uh, whilst the Democrats take their stand on, you know, I went, I went to Harvard, sure. you know, I, I have the, the credentials. Every, but every citizen in the United States, uh, and again, I suppose we should uh, qualify citizen because it's a little hazy in my head about exactly what a citizen yeah. is, shouldn't they all have the same rights? I mean, shouldn't I have the right to run for president? Uh, or vote. Let's look at let's look at this notion of of equal rights. Okay. The ancient discussion that is among the Greeks, it's still a very clear uh, distinction. On the one hand, they talked about uh, equal rights as, in a basic sense, they, they sometimes call it arithmetical rights. Mm. In other words, I'm person one. I have the same rights as person two. Okay. In other words, you may be rich, powerful, and brilliant, but you don't have any more rights than I do. And that, that is what we think of as democratic equality, but it's not the only one. Okay. Aristotle, and, the, and it just tended to be the aristocratic position, believed in proportional rights. Uh, you had rights in proportion to the contribution you make. Mm -hmm. For example, take extreme. Joe, uh, you know Joe, he pays no oh, yeah. taxes, he was a draft evader. Oh and uh, has been arrested multiple times. Mm. While John pays $100,000 a year in taxes, oh. has defended his country in battle, right. and has undertaken many uh, civil, civic responsibilities, charity work, everything else. Okay. Are these people really, do they, in either in principle or in practice, does, say, Mitt Romney really have the same political rights as as a criminal welfare loafer? And the answer is, in principle, maybe yes, in America, but not in practice. Right. That you know? that seems to make a, a sense looking at it realistically. Yeah. So our our system says that everybody has the same rights and should have the same rights. Okay. The reality is, in this country, we have one great decision maker, and that's money. Right. That's because in America, moral and cultural. Our, our political system rests on the pursuit of money. Somewhere, there's a funny book I read, written by you know ancient, ancient Semites, which 
the love of money is the root of all evil. I yes. guess we have forgotten that. Yeah, I, in, I'm kind of <clears throat> familiar with that. In, in America, virtue is wealth and success and celebrity. So, mm. for example, if your name is Kardashian, mm. you are uh, worthy of respect and attention. You cannot open uh, the London Daily Mail without having at least three Kardashian stories mm. on the main Brother. page. Now, for the early Greeks, mm -hmm. cele you know, celebrity and wealth weren't as important as good family background, courage mm -hmm. in war, ability of character. I see. Uh, in fact, these things were more important. That sounds good. That sounds reasonable. The reality is yes. that whether we are in ancient democratic Athens uh -huh. or aristocratic England of the 17th, 18th century, the Soviet Union, or postmodern democratic America, okay. equality is very slippery. It's very hard to define. Right. It generally invoked to justify and strengthen the power of the ruling class, okay. whether that class is the British aristocrats, communist commissars, or the rich and powerful men who own this U.S. of A, lock, stock, and barrel, and by the way, all the crackers in the barrel. <laughs>